begin my message today, I want to ask you, how many people have a scar on their body? Okay? Okay, so I think the majority of us, who doesn't have a scar on their body? Okay? So maybe really young, like babies, like you raise your hands because you don't have a scar on your body, right? Okay? So scars are very interesting. Okay? They come in many shapes and sizes. They all look very different. Uh, they're unique, each and every one of them. Uh, and they happen to us based on different circumstances. But there's one thing that is common for all scars that we have. Do you guys know what that is? Okay. Every scar that you have on your body has a story to tell. Okay? Every scar on your body has a story behind it. Whether it's a big scar, a small one, a major one, or a minor one, regardless of the size, the depth, the shape, Whatever it is, the color, or this old one or a new one, something maybe from like falling or maybe a more serious scar from maybe an accident or whatever, okay? All of our scars have a story behind them. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, has any of you guys looked at me in the face intently before? Oh, that's weird. Okay, so, okay? If you've ever looked at me intently, you will notice that one of my eyes is bigger than the other, right? You will also notice that one of my eyes has double eyelid, and the other one has a very like, small, very minor one, okay? So when I used to wear glasses, it was more prevalent, but now that I have contacts, my eyes just look, maybe they look, I don't know, maybe they don't look big. But um, the reason why I have one double eyelid and one monolid is when I was younger, when I was a kid, my dad was holding me one day, and I was a very like restless child, so my parents say. And what happened was, is as I was being held by my dad, as he's holding with one arm, you know, ex-football player, ex-army, you know, whatever, right? Holding me, thinking that he's this buff guy, he drops me, right? And I fall and I hit my eye on the corner of a table, right? And it cuts my eye. That's why I have double eyelid on one side, right? My mom said, we should have dropped you twice on the other side too, right? Free surgery, but that didn't happen, okay? So if you look at me in the eyes, Okay, you will notice that one of my eyes is bigger than the other. Okay? Another one, um, so that scar has a story to tell. Right? Another scar, I have one on my knee, but I'm not going to show you my hairy legs because you don't need to see that, right? Okay? You think it's funny, okay? So I have this thing called a vampire bite on my knee. Right? I call it a vampire bite. I, I don't believe in vampires. But in the summer of 2009, I went to Korea. And my, I was staying in Korea um, with my aunt. Uh, she lived uh, kind of on the hillside, and the only way you could get there is one by car or taking the Maru bus. What is that in English? It's like a little like, community bus, or like a smaller bus, or you could walk it. But if you walked it, it would take maybe an hour or so. And I remember, you know, it's like summer, like summer break, I'm having fun with my friends and whatever, and I was meeting a certain individual, and it got really late. And the buses stop at a certain time. So in Korea, you know, if you fail to get on the bus or the subway in time, what happens? You know, you just, you get stuck. You, you get in the way of getting home. And so, you know, I'm in high school at this time, and I'm just like, man, I got to get home somehow. Somehow, some way, I get there quick. So I get on the subway, and I'm running out of the subway to catch this bus, because I know it's the last bus, and if I miss this bus, then, oh man, my mom's going to throw a fit, right? And I'm running up the escalator, and I eat it hard, right? I trip running up the escalator, and you know how the escalator has like these like little tracks on the stairs? It goes into my knee, right? And there's like this ajishi, this dude like, like 
that was in front of me, and I fall like right before him. He turns around and says, oh, are you okay? And out of embarrassment, like that's embarrassing, you fall running up the stairs, right? Or the escalator. So I got up and I just ran. I missed the bus and I ended up walking up the hill back to the home. You know, my mom was like, what are you doing out so late? Like, you know, there's like crazy people out in Korea. I was like, oh, okay, 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 right? So I go home and I'm about to take a shower and I take off my pants and look at my knee and it's covered in blood. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what have I done? The next day, I look at my knee, and I have these two little, like, you know, the mark from the, the escalator on my knee. Well, I call it vampire bites, right? It's not vampire bites, right? So that scar has a story to tell. Now, I'm going to get really deep with you right now. I know this might be a little uncomfortable for some of you, uh, but I'm going to share another very personal, um, and I'm going to be very vulnerable about this. Uh, if I was wearing something different, it would be easier to show. I have scars on my left arm. When I was in high school, I struggled a lot with my self-esteem, and I've talked about this before. When I was in high school, I had many struggles, and one of the things that I struggled with the most was suicidal attempts. Right? When I got into college and I was living by myself, I was working at a dental office at that time. I was going through a very dark moment of my life, and I remember taking a knife one day and saying, you know what? What's the point of it all? And I remember cutting my arm all across this left arm. So if you look at my arm later, when I'm wearing a t-shirt, uh, you will see scars on my left arm. I remember... No, I won't go into it too much, right? So anyway, so that scar on my left arm has a story to tell. So you see, this isn't just about the scars that we find in our physical bodies, right? The physical scars, the ones that we see. This is also very true for the scars that are hidden, right? The ones that we can't see. The ones that form in our spirit. The ones that form on our hearts, right? The emotional ones. The scars that form because of things like betrayal. The scars that form because of a bad breakup. Or the scar that forms because of a failed job interview. The scar that forms because of a traumatic experience. And I'm going to be very real with you today, Okay? Things like abuse, things like rape, things like assault. The scars that form when you lose someone that you love so dearly. These hidden scars are the ones that form when a family is torn apart because of divorce. When friendship ends because of miscommunication and misunderstandings. You see, these are all things that form very deep wounds in our hearts. That hurt and affect each and every one of us. Even these are very, very deep. And even these have a story to tell. Today, we're going to dive a little deeper uh, into one of my favorite topics, uh, or similar to it, which is brokenness. Right? But in light of the title today, we're going to be focusing on more of the importance of recognizing and knowing your scars. And I also want to talk to you about how these scars form and how Jesus is a part of this process of forming scars and also how Jesus intends to use these very scars. So as we begin the message today, say it with me, okay? Scars have a story to tell. Say it with me. Scars have a story to tell. We're going to be looking at a story in the Bible um, that kind of exemplifies the title of my message today. We're going to look at a specific story. It's a case study, right, of a certain individual. Let's turn our Bibles to John. <coughs> John chapter 4, and we're going to jump around a little bit with the reading here. 
if this loads, maybe it will. Okay, John chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 4 to 18, and then we're going to read 28 to 30, and then verse 39. So I'll read it very quickly, uh, so just follow along. John chapter 4, verse 4, and we're going to start at verse 4, okay? So it says, now he had to go through Samaria, right? So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. And she replies, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And then we'll skip to verse 28. It says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. And then the last one, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. All right, so today we're going to go with point one. We're going to start. Point one is this. Wounds plus proper healing equals scars. But wounds plus improper healing equals scabs. So the wounds that heal properly and completely, they'll turn into a scar. Well, the wounds that heal improperly and incompletely will turn into scabs. Scabs are kind of nasty, right? How many of you guys have a scab on your body right now? Okay. Some of you may have scabs from like paper cuts or whatever, right? It's important for us okay, to understand the difference between a scab and a scar. Okay. Hear me out. This is the thing that happens with wounds in our hearts, right? Those, the ones that are hidden, the emotional ones, right? When you experience an injury or uh, a wound or a cut on the body, okay, relatively speaking, the wounds that we have on our body okay, heal quite quickly, right? For the most part, right? Okay? Sometimes we forget about that paper cut we had this morning, and the next day, it's like, it's better, right? But the wounds that we experience in our heart, man, that, those kind of wounds are a totally different story, right? Those are really painful. These ones are ones that don't heal as quickly, okay? I've met many, many people. I've talked and worked with so many people that have had these kind of wounds in their lives, and even me myself, right? Have gone through these kinds of wounds for years and years, maybe even their lifetime, and they've never received the proper healing because of that wound. Okay? 
So many people in our churches and our world deal with these untreated wounds and live, even like I said, for a lifetime. My point is this. With these kind of wounds, there are some people that never properly heal. Right? And when you have a wound like this, an incomplete, improperly healed wound, you don't have a scar, you have a scab. Right? There are three characteristics about scabs that I want to talk about now. And three things, or in other words, three things that can help you distinguish whether or not you have a scar or you have a scab. The first one, sensitive to touch. If you have a scab or if you've had one, okay, I don't have one on me right now so I can't show you, okay? But, or like, think about a mosquito bite. How many of you guys have had a mosquito bite before? How many of you guys, as soon as you get a mosquito bite, you want to just kind of itch it, right? And the more you itch it, what happens? A wound forms, right? And it's still itchy, so what do you do? Right? You keep itching it, right? Okay? You have the self-inflicted wound on your hand or wherever on your body, and then after a while, that scab will form. You know, when a scab forms, it looks hard, right? It looks like really crusty, like you know, pizza crust, right? And it looks totally fine. But when you touch it, you know how like when you touch it, it like it's sensitive, like you can feel it. Sometimes it like hurts. Is that just me? Is that only my scabs, right? Okay. One of the ways that you know you have a scab and not a scar is that it's sensitive, right? For example, maybe you're having a conversation with some people and they mention or bring up something that reminds you of the past. The incident that maybe happened to you, that really hurt you, right? It has nothing to do with you. The conversation is not about you, but they say something and it triggers you and you get really sensitive to that, right? Or maybe, you know, it reminds you of a traumatic or a painful experience of your past and this overwhelming feeling comes out of nowhere, right? You feel this fear, this shame, whatever that feeling is, right? Let's look at our case study for a second. Right? In the book of John, right, you see Jesus sees the Samaritan woman, right? And he looks past what's on the outside for her. He sees what's past that and he sees what's truly inside of her heart. But he sees the fact that this woman has been carrying around a scab, right? For so long. How do we know that, right? Because she's super sensitive. Think about it. When Jesus exposes the wound that she has, right? The wound of what? Having five husbands, right? In modern day terms, she had five failed marriages, okay? And she lives with a dude that's not even her husband. Think about that. Like, I've had many relationships, right? Nothing I'm proud of, right? I've had many relationships, and I thought one heartbreak was enough, right? But multiple? Can you imagine failed marriages? Like, for, for this lady, that's just overwhelming for her. And as Jesus is having this conversation, and he's exposing this wound of hers, what does she do? She's like really sensitive, right? So she tries to change the subject, right? She tries to have this theological debate with Jesus instead about the proper place of worship. Instead of addressing the fact that Jesus had simply called her out and her wound was now exposed. It's because it's still sensitive. It's a wound that has not been properly healed. If you were to touch one of your scars right now, if you have a scar on your body, take a moment to find it and touch it, right? If you touch the wound or the scar, does it hurt? Is it sensitive? For me, when I touch the scar on my knee, it doesn't hurt, right? Sometimes you just, you just don't even realize that you have it. In comparison to touching a scab, your scars do not hurt. They're not sensitive. When your wounds heal properly, or properly heal, even if you come across things that remind you of why that wound formed, or people or conversations or whatever it may be, 
If your wound has properly healed, it will never have the same amount of pain that it did when it first formed. Right? You see what Jesus is after? Jesus wants to take your scabs. And he wants to turn them into scars. Jesus wants complete healing in your life for you and I. The second point, okay? It gets hard, hardened, and or protective, okay? When we have wounds and then the scab forms, it's like this dark brown, kind of black, kind of, they get hard, like crusty like a pizza again, right? They get kind of nasty. But in the same way, when a scab forms on our hearts, it gets hardened. Whether it be because of bitterness or the unwillingness to forgive, or maybe it's anger or frustration towards God. Whatever it may be. When you throw your fist at God in the air and say, God, why? Why did you allow things like this to happen in my life? How could you? You see, when our hearts get hardened, right, our hearts begin to form a protective layer around it. Maybe you've heard of this. It's called a self-defense mechanism, right? How many of you guys know what your self-defense mechanism is? Your defense mechanism. Okay, maybe you don't, right? We're not going to go into that today, okay? But in essence, we put up a wall, right? We put up this front, this facade, and we tell ourselves and we tell everyone around us, it's okay, I'm fine, right? There's no worries. I don't want anyone to see, think, or know what in the world is going on with me. The two purposes of what this does for us is this. One, it keeps people out, right? But two, it also numbs you from the reality that you have a wound, that you're hurt, that you have pain deep inside, How do we know this? Case in point, we're going to look back in the story, right? When Jesus confronts the Samaritan lady, the first thing you notice is that she has a very strong protective layer around her. Jesus is like, like, simple conversation. It's hot, it's the middle of the day, and Jesus is like, yo, like, can I get some water? Like, I'm thirsty, right? But what does the Samaritan lady say? You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink, right? Straight up, she denies Jesus, a drink of water. In biblical times, it was uncommon, it was unheard of for a man to talk to a woman out in public, and even more so, a Jew talking to a Samaritan, right? And vice versa, right? This is so unheard of, so uncommon. She says it in her response. You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. She doesn't even say no. No, sorry, like, I'm busy. She's like, no, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Like, this doesn't work, right? You see, she puts up this wall, and she shuts out Jesus right away. She's trying to keep people away and keep them out. She's keeping her emotions away. She's neglecting the feelings that she's having and the things of her that she has dealt with in her past. You see, when we put up these walls, when we put up these defense mechanisms, when you become all defensive, you pretend that you're okay, you lie to yourself and say that it's all right, you wear a mask, you hide from your friends or even your family or your church, but you know that there's so much pain and hurt deep inside. Okay? Number three, the third characteristic, you try to hide it. But not only do you try to hide your scab, you try to hide yourself. At the beginning of a sermon, I shared with you a very personal scab or a scar that I have on my left arm, right? You know, when I first had these cuts on my arms, when I was working at a dental office, you guys know what scrubs look like, right? Like the blue, like, so I wore blue ones. I like the color blue. So I wore these blue scrubs and they're short sleeve. They're not long sleeve. Right? So I had to wear scrubs to work. There was no choice. I didn't have an option. But I remember when I first had these wounds on my arm, the first thing I wanted to do was to cover it with bandages. Right? I needed to hide it from people. I did not want people to see the wounds on my arm. I didn't want people to know what I was going through. So I wore, you know, I put the bandages on my left arm. I put on a long sleeve shirt beneath my scrubs so that people wouldn't suspect. 
It was like all warm and hot and it was the middle of the summer. And I wanted to roll up my sleeve so bad because I was sweating. And people were like, dude, Tim, like, what are you doing? Like, it's hot. But I did not want to show my wounds. I wanted to hide them. You see, this is what we do with the scabs that are found in our hearts, right? Deep inside. We don't want people to know, right? We don't want to deal with it. So what do we do? The easiest thing we can do is simply cover it up. Case in point, let's look at the story again. It's obvious that she's trying to hide her wounds. Do you guys know what time of day? It said in the, in the reading, what time of day she came out? Okay, so some of your Bibles may say sixth hour. This translation says noon. Okay? So in the biblical times, their day was divided based on the daylight. So they had 12-hour days, and scholars tend to agree that the first hour was about 6 a.m. So if you do the math, the sixth hour was, would be about what time? About noon, right? Okay. So this should raise red flags. If you are a Bible scholar, which all of you are today, right? This will raise red flags because why? You don't go collecting water at noon, right? When do you do it? In the morning, when it's not hot, when the sun is still coming up, right? And what women would do back in the biblical times, it was a social gathering. For you young people, it's called tea time, right? Time to spill the tea, right? So they'd all gather out by the well, collect water, and spill tea to one another. For you older people, it's called water cooler talk, right? At the office, you meet at the water cooler, and you stand there, and you're drinking a cup of water, and you're talking about how you hate your place. Anyways, okay? Right? So, biblical times, this was a social event, right? For women, okay? They would come together. they talk about life, everything they wanted to talk about. But the Samaritan woman in our story, she's out there at noon. She's coming at the worst possible time ever, in the middle of the heat, and she's alone. Because you see, she was hiding her wounds. She was hiding the wounds in her heart. She was hiding from people. This is a very beautiful thing. Point number two. Jesus, our master healer, is always looking to turn our scabs into scars. Jesus keeps it real, right? He recognizes the scab. And as the master healer, he looks... And, and, and this is what he says in John 4, 16 and 18. Okay? It says, he told her, go back and call your husband and come back. Right? And she replies, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you said is true. Right? So Jesus calls out this lady right then and there. Can you imagine the face of this, this Samaritan woman? She's probably like, oh my goodness, like, how does he know, right? If you were to look at this at face value, okay, if we were just to look at this, some of you guys may think like, wow, Jesus is a jerk. Are you serious? Like, why would you, why would you talk about something like this, right? You would think if you saw this at face value, you would think that Jesus is really messed up. Jesus is a bully, right? Why would he do this? But we have to understand the intention behind this. Because Jesus wants to turn that scab into a scar, And the only way that the scab can be healed and turned into a scar is that if the scab is removed. The thing of the healing process, right? Okay, If you're a bio major, please help me. I could be totally wrong. When you get a wound, a wound forms over a... A scab forms over the wound, right? And over time, when it's time, that scab will fall off. But underneath the scab, uh, collagen, is it collagen that forms? Okay, if you don't know, then... It looks like I know, right? Collagen forms underneath the scab, right? It prepares the scab to fall off so it can properly heal. This is the same with Jesus, right? 
Sometimes what he has to do, he has to go through this painful process of exposing that wound, right? And let me be real. Sometimes this really sucks, right? No one wants to deal with it. No one wants to relive or re-experience these emotional wounds that we have. And this is why so many people continue to live with the wounds they have in their heart. It's difficult. It's impossible to jump over this because it's like, I don't want to deal with it. I want to just put it behind me. I never want to have to deal with this again. But sometimes what Jesus has to do is exactly that. is to re-expose the wound that we have. And by doing so, Jesus has the opportunity to properly heal it. To properly give it the treatment that it needs so that it can actually become a scar. Okay, I'm going to tell you another illustration. So, you know, my left arm, I had a lot of scars from suicidal thoughts and attempts. It took me such a long time to get to this point where I was able to go and see a psychiatrist. And I know, like, in the Korean community, that's, like, super taboo, like, mental health. Like, oh, you have a mental problem? Like, oh, like, what the heck are you, right? Who are you? You don't have your life together. For me, it took me so long to have the courage to say, I need help. And to go and get that help so that my scar or my scabs could become scars. For a long time, for most of my life, even up until recent, right? I had thought that I was okay. I had told myself that there was nothing wrong with me, that I was fine, that I was growing up just normal like everyone else. I was hiding these scabs and I was not willing to let the scabs heal properly. Now don't get me wrong, like I'm not saying like, oh I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm victorious over my scabs and I have scars now. Yes, there are still things that cause a lot of hurt, right? There's still things in this process that I'm going through. But the point is, it took me such a long time to get to this point. I never wanted to see a psychiatrist. I never wanted to re-expose the things of the past that I had experienced. But in doing so, I have begun the journey to find proper healing. I was able to allow Jesus to be a part of this healing process so that it doesn't become a scab again, but rather that it can become a scar. You see, the Samaritan woman had to go there, right? She had to go there, and maybe you too will have to go there one day. I can't promise or guarantee that your story will be the same, or like mine, or the Samaritan woman's. But the point is this, maybe you will have to go there one day too. In re-exposing these things, you allow and give the opportunity for Jesus to come and be a part of this healing process. To allow Jesus to take your scabs and turn them into scars. Now, I want to close this final point. Point three, when we are willing to show our scars and share the stories behind them, God will use your scars to help others believe. How do we know this is real for the Samaritan woman? How do we know that she experienced true healing from a scab to a scar? John 4, 28 to 30, okay? we just read this. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. You guys, it's so clear. She goes back to town. She puts down the defense mechanisms that she had been holding. She goes to this town and she tells everyone, okay, come and see this man, right? You see, you guys, this is a lady that had nothing to be shouting for, right? She had failed marriages. She was an outcast. She had an image in her town. There's a reason why she's coming out at noon and not in the morning with everyone else. But she goes back into this town and she tells everyone, right, that there's a man that told her everything that she has ever done. How is this possible? Why? It's because she experienced proper healing. 
It's because she's now healed. And she's willing to share and show the scars and to tell the stories behind them. And the end of the story, what do we see? Verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town, they believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Was it Jesus' testimony? No. It was the woman's testimony of what Jesus did in her life. This was because she was able to tell people, look at my scars and look at the story behind these scars. See, Jesus can use your scars for you as well. Your scars have so much power, right? When your scars are properly healed, there's a power that can go the distance, right? That same healing power of your scars can give you a breakthrough. And that breakthrough has the potential and the ability to be a breakthrough for others. But sometimes in our churches, and you know, to be honest, many times I feel this, right? We don't like to share the stories of our scars. We don't like showing them. We're afraid. We're insecure. We're afraid that in the end it will hurt us again. We're afraid of the judgment and the eyes and the ears that will hear our story. And I don't blame you. I felt the same way for a long time. Right? I'm, not he- I'm not here to say that, okay, be vulnerable to everyone and tell everyone your story. Right? It's okay to not be okay. The younger people that went to Salt would know that. Right? It takes time to find proper healing. It takes time to be ready to share the scars. When the time is right, just as the Samaritan lady met Jesus at that right time, her scabs turned into scars, and her scars became a story that had power to change the world. To end, I want to look at the life of Jesus really quick. At the end of the Gospel of John, after his death and resurrection, right, we have the story of Jesus reappearing to his disciples. Right? Now, Jesus could have easily resurrected as a brand new person, right? He could have came out perfect, but no. He maintained the scars that he had on his body, right? The piercing in his hands and the, and the scar in his side, right? When he encounters um, Thomas, right? Thomas the doubter, right? Thomas denies that Jesus resurrected. He was like, I need to see Jesus with my own eyes. I won't believe until I see, right? And then what does Jesus do? He shows up, right? Jesus could have showed up perfectly fine. No scars, no scabs, like totally okay. But he comes with these scars and he tells Thomas, put your hands into these scars. Believe, right? And then Thomas, he falls to his knees and he cries out, my Lord and my God. Psalms 147 verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You know, I'm a strong believer when it comes to brokenness. And you guys hopefully know that by now, right? The scars that we have. And sometimes our, our churches focus so much on things like doctrine and, and head knowledge. And not, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say like, oh, like these are not important. They have their time. I love these things. You know, I study this stuff, right? So for me, it's fun. I enjoy it. They have their place. But I feel like maybe in what the world needs more now, what our churches need now, are not those but rather the stories behind the scars that we have. You see, today when we take the time to recognize our scars, to recognize what we've been, what we've done, what we've gone through, when we allow Jesus to be that master healer of our scams and allow him to be part of that journey of proper recovery so that they can turn into scars, those scars will have stories to tell. And God wants to use those scars in your life. It's those scars that can change our world to change our church, to change you, 
and the people around you. Scars have a story to tell.